0: Welcome to Woodland Church. Here is today's message. Well, we are going to get into the Word of God this morning. We, have, we are in the midst of a, of a series called Life in the Spirit. And last week, we looked at Romans chapter seven and Romans chapter eight. And we looked at how when we become a believer, when we become a follower of Christ, something takes place inside of us. We become awakened and we become aware of, of the sin nature that every human being has. We talked about how last week, how people of this world, people who are outside of Jesus Christ, they are not awakened to their sin nature. And since they, they might be on some level, but the reality is, is that they can only function in that nature. That they have no ability to actually break the power of sin that is resting upon their lives. And when, when you look at Scripture, that when we come to believe in Jesus, a battle begins within us. And that's what Romans chapter 7 basically lays out, is that there is a battle taking place within us. And if you look at uh, what we looked at last week, Romans chapter 7, I, lo- I love what uh, Paul says here. He said, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me? From this body of death. In verse twenty five, he says, Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself serve the law with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. We looked at last week at how Jesus Christ is the only one who can break the power of sin within mankind. Who will deliver me, Paul says, is Jesus Christ. And then we looked at Romans chapter eight, starting in verse one, about how we as believers are no longer walking within condemnation. And this week we are going to continue on. And we 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 started Romans chapter eight last week, and I said we're going to need a second week there. Um, we're going to need more than that, okay, church family? I'm just going to forewarn you: for the next couple of weeks, we're going to be in Romans chapter eight. And uh, if you will turn with me, turn. With me, Romans chapter 8, starting in verse 1, and please stand this morning as we continue to look at life in the Spirit. And we're going to read verses 1 through 17 this morning. The Word of God says this Romans 8 1. He says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, for the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do, by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit." For all who are led by the Spirit are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may be also glorified with him. Let us pray. Father, I thank you for your word today. Father, I pray, Lord, by your spirit, will you come, will you minister to us? Will you speak to us? Will you encourage us? Father, help your people, your church, to walk in obedience to you. Lord, Lord I praise you for your word and for this, for this time of gathering. I ask this now in Christ's name, amen. You guys may be seated. Now, like I said, we can't get through all of this today, and I'm apologizing up front here, and you'll have to come next week to hear what else is happening within these, these verses here. But today I want to talk about a major theological truth that Paul is relaying to us here today. And when I say that word theology, um, I feel like sometimes people start to fall asleep, Uh, When people hear that word, they're like, oh, theology, you know, and it's almost like boredom just sets in, and I can see it on your faces already. Some of you are already sleeping when you hear that word, but when we say theology, what that just simply means, it, it just simply means the study of God, but to understand biblical theology and proper biblical theology, I'm telling you, there's a lot at stake there, because how we think about God determines a lot of our own actions and in our lives. Theology is having, proper theology is having the right understanding of who God is and what God has done in our lives. You know, because... Like what I said, if you just have, you know, some different views on God, which a lot of people do, a lot of people just have very random views on just who God is. You know, if you view that, that God is just some big guy in the sky who's just up there and he's just there and we're just here and he, he doesn't really have any interaction with us, well then you won't be a, a people that w- would actually turn to him. Why would you? He's just a guy in the sky, you know. He, he has no power. He has no authority. Um, if you just think God is just some moral idea, then you would say that he probably has no say on your life. I, sh- I share this because when we think of theology, I want to always be a church that we have proper biblical theology. And I share that and I warn that because, guys, this is, we are a dying breed In this country I cannot express that enough I wish I wish that I could stand here and just say well listen if you go to any church there will be good theology and I'm not bashing on churches right I'm not listen I'm not trying to be going down that that road here but the importance of good theology should be one of our passions here and Paul here gives us a very big theology um, I don't want to just say answer, but he, he shares something here that is vital to us in our walk with the Lord. And, that, and I want to kind of talk about this theology truth that Paul shares here with us that I think is vital to our souls and vital to how are we going to walk, how are we going to live a life in God's Spirit here. So turn with me back to Romans 8. And we're going to start in verse two here because last week we already talked about we are no longer condemned. We already talked about all of that last week. But in verse two, he says, for the law of the Spirit has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. And, and, we, and we did touch on that one last week as well. But look at verses three and four here. He, he says this, for God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. By sending his own son in likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh but according to the spirit. So we have been set free by what Christ has done. Like what I said, we hit on that week, on on that last week. But in verse 3, he says, For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. Now, when you hear that word law, I think all of us, or most of us in this room, probably have some comprehension of what that word is. When we talk about the law of God, we are talking about the commandments of God. When you look at the Old Testament, Exodus 20, you get the 10 commandments of God. But also, when you hear the law of God, it's just God's requirements, God's rules, God's authority. Upon mankind, and what Paul is saying here is that God's law, God's standards for men to be to be living by. um, I don't know if you know this. If you you cannot live by the law, and become right with God, I'm just going to just share that again. You cannot live by the law, and become right. With God. The law of God, the Ten Commandments, His commands, His His rules, His authority, you cannot live by those, and then somehow become right with God. And He actually literally spells that out here. He says, For what the law, for God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do in verse 3. Meaning, the law of God, church family does not make you right with God. Now, there are people out there that live in some sort of delusional world, is what I call it. They believe that they can somehow keep the commands of God and that they can somehow be right with God based on what they do. Now, maybe you have like, have like heard of this, maybe you have like come across people that are like, Well, you know, I I do good things and, you know, Pastor, I give to charity and you know, I I can keep most of the ten commandments, you know. Um, you know, I can honor my my mother and father, and I've, I've done that very, very well. Um, you know, I don't really covet my, my neighbor's house is what, you know, the Ten Commandments say, but the reason why I don't really, really covet it, because my house is already better, so I don't really struggle with that sin. But you will come across people that have this delusion, that have this idea that they can somehow, in their flesh, in their own ability, keep the law of God, And what Paul is saying here is that you can't. But the law of God is not here to somehow um, make us right with God. The law is here to truly point out the sinfulness of mankind. Look at Romans 7, 7, which this is just the previous chapter. Paul actually says it this way. He says, What shall we say? That the law is sin by no means. Yet if we have not been... it for yet if it had not been for the law, I would not have known sin. Meaning, the law of God is only there, it's pointing out our sin. And he says this, For I would not have known what it is to covet, covet if the law had not said, You shall not covet. The law itself is not sinful, but what the law does, the law of God has always been there to point out the sins of the world. The sins of of mankind. And God knew from the very get-go that you and I would never be able to keep the commands. And what I see happening so often is that a lot of people base things, base their lives off of the commands of God and thinking that, well, well if I do certain commands, then me and God are made right. And what he is expressing here is that the law cannot take care of the sin problem within mankind it it cannot do it in verse three he says by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh for sin he condemned sin in the flesh meaning jesus christ took the punishment condemned sin in his own flesh he took the sins of the world which you guys probably all have heard that truth, that he, he takes the sins of the world and he nailed it to the cross. I love how Isaiah puts it. If you've never read Isaiah, Isaiah 53, which is, by the way, written 800 years before Jesus ever walked. God prophesied what the Savior was going to be doing. He says this, he says, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrow. Yet we esteem him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. We are, we are like sheep that have gone astray. We have all turned, everyone to his own way. The Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Jesus took the transgressions of the world, the sinfulness of the world, and he took it upon his own flesh, Romans says here. And it was in his actual body. Look at verse 4. He says, in order, so by Jesus taking on the sins in his own flesh, he says, in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh but according to the spirit now i say this is a theological truth that paul is like building here within the book of romans and and i shared this briefly last week but but if you've ever read read romans paul paints a very clear picture of the sinfulness of mankind okay he he he, he holds back no punches. He basically says, listen, all of mankind is nothing but sinners. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short. We've all pursue our own passions, our own desires. We don't even think about God. We just want to do what we want to do. And he's building this here, and he's saying, listen, mankind, though you are a sinner, you can't be made right with God on your own. You can't somehow keep the commands of God on your own. And and I've heard people, and I've probably shared this one previously, I have heard people say, well, you know, when I get to heaven, God's just going to judge the good versus the bad. Have you ever, like, heard that? Like, well, you know, he's he's just keeping a record, and hopefully my good will somehow outweigh my bad. And people actually believe this. I mean I mean this is a complete delusion from what scripture teaches us. Scripture teaches us is that we are a fallen people, but the good news is this is that Jesus Christ took our transgressions, took our sin and in his own flesh took care of the problem. In his flesh, not in our flesh. In his flesh, he took care of the sin problem. The iniquities were nailed to him. That means all of them. This whole idea that we can somehow be good on our own and, and that there's good people out there and there's good eggs and all this stuff that, that we kind of talk about within our own lingo, it's like, no. That, like, there's a problem. And, and what Paul is doing here is that he is letting us know that, okay, there are, when God's people come to Christ, their iniquities, their sins, their shortcomings, taken care of. They're done away with. We're no longer condemned. We now walk in freedom within Christ. So that's the, that's the theological truth. But also Paul here, he starts to kind of lay out, well, what does this look like now? Okay, if Jesus has taken care of everything in his flesh, how are we, his people, now called to live? How are we supposed to live a life now in Christ, in his spirit? And Paul actually kind of lays it out here in verse 5. He says, for those who live according to the flesh. Now, he's going to do this comparing and contrasting here. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit. You can leave that verse up here. So the theological truth is what Jesus has done for us. He bore our sins. He took them upon his own flesh. He paid the price that you and I cannot pay. Not by any means. But now his church, his people, we have this calling to now where we are called to walk by the Spirit of God. We set our minds no longer on the flesh, but on the things of the spirit i want to address real quick what is setting your mind on the flesh because paul like says that here he says for those who set their minds on the things of the flesh he says um, for those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh in verse 5. i want to talk about two ways at how i see biblically men and women set their minds on the things of the flesh Okay, so just follow along with me here. Stay awake, we will get through this. Okay, when we look at that, when you set your mind on the things of the flesh, I think the very, very first way is that we will base our relationship with God based off of our own performance. So let me kind of explain that one to you. And we're actually warned about this within the book of Galatians, but we don't really have time to be getting there today. But I have seen men and women, and I have been guilty of this as well. We believe our relationship with God is based off of our own personal performance. So if we have a good day, a less sinful day, we feel good with our relationship with God. You went to work. Some ladies were gossiping. I'm just picking on ladies here. I'm sorry. You did not participate in the gossip. You walk away. You pat yourself on the back. You're feeling good. You know, you're like, you know what? I did, I did good today. And then that dictates how you feel on how God feels about you. You base things off of how you perform. You base your relationship with God solely based off of how well you think you did that day. If you fell that day, if you fell back into some sins, you had some like struggles. You tend to think, "Well, oh, I'm no longer accepted." You know, I don't know if God really loves me. And many people live a life based on this. That would be living a life in the flesh. You're basing it off of your own performance. You you once again think that you can somehow be made right with God by what you do, and the Bible. It clearly teaches you it's never going to happen. You can't do it. You'll never measure up. It, it, you can try really, really hard. In fact, I would encourage you, Monday morning, wake up Monday morning and be like, "I'm going to try really, really hard not to sin today. I'm not going to do any sins today, and I'm just going to just, I'm just going to muster through all of this stuff. But there are men and women in the church all over. they think that their relationship with God is based off of how well they did that day. I cannot express to you, that is setting your mind on the things of the flesh. That is basically saying, God, I'm right with you when I do good. And when I don't do good, we're not right. And it's like, we're missing the whole point of the cross. You can't do it. You'll never measure up. But the good news is this, Jesus Christ took care of every sin within our life. It's based off of our trust in him. The second way that I think people, which is what Paul is, is, is expressing here, is when you set your minds on the things of the flesh, which I think this one's probably more of a struggle within this world, especially within our culture and within our world, is that, well, first John, I think we should have that back here. First John, 2:15 through 17. He warns us here. He says, "Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in them. For all that is in the world and keep this verse up there the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life is not from the Father, but from the world." In verse 17, he says, and the world is passing along with its desires for whoever does the will of God abides forever. You and I live in this world. That's a reality. We are in America. We're actually in Market, Michigan. It's October 1st, 2023, just in case you forgot where you were or what's happening. We live in a culture and we live in a world that is grabbing for our attention, that is grabbing for, our, for us to set our minds on the things of this world, on the desires of this world. Now, we all know this, that this world is constantly trying to get your attention, especially here in America. You can't turn on anything without getting ads on trying to get your attention, trying to get you to put your mind, put your desires, put your hope into things of this world too, into the fleshly things that this world has to offer. And we also know that, you know, and, and we've actually joked around about this, that our little smartphones that we carry, they're listening to us. That's not a conspiracy theory, people, okay? If you talk about going on vacation to Mexico, Within like 30 seconds, your phone is like, here's vacations to Mexico, okay? The world around us is drawing us. It has this draw. It has this desire. And the hardest part, I think, as far as being a Christian in this country, is being able to not walk in the desires of this world. Guys, we all know that this is Super hard. Stop online shopping for a week. Don't even look. Seriously, try it. Just say, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go a week. And every time that that phone opens, it's going to be like blasting you with all sorts of things. Well, you want a, you know, Mexico vacation coming up here. Or for like me, it's like, you need a new mountain bike. You know, it's like, no, I don't. But those are the desires of the flesh. And Paul warns us, those who set their minds on the flesh we end up living by it. There's something about what we think about, what, what, what we let come into our minds. It dictates us. When we set our minds on the things of this world, that's what we think about. That's what we talk about. That's what our desires become. I got a quote here from a scholar that I read that I thought was really good. It says, they set their minds on are the most deeply, or what, the, what we set our minds on are the most deeply interested to us. The things that we constantly talk about, the things that we engage in, and glory in, the things pertaining to the flesh, that is to the sinful human nature. When we become a follower of Christ, here is the challenge. Are we going to set our minds on the things of this flesh or are we going to set our minds on the things of the spirit? Cuz that's what Paul is really arguing here. Is that okay, Christ has redeemed you. He has freed you. He has taken care of your sin problem. Now, which way are you going to go? Are you going to set your mind on the flesh which leads to death or are you going to set your mind on the spirit which we, which will then lead to life and peace, Paul says here. And I think that that is our core challenge here, church family, is that when we talk about living a life in God's spirit, it's how do we set our minds on him? Because this world is constantly drawing us. It's constantly looking for attention. Come here, look at this, buy this, have this. And it's, sometimes it's sinful, and sometimes it's, just, it's purely just coveting what we want. I'm going to share something with you. For us to set our minds on the things of the Spirit, I'm going to tell you the one sure way. Okay, this is like the surest way. Are you ready for it? Read your Bibles. You guys are like, Pastor, I've heard that one. (laughs) Pastor, that one is nothing new. That is is absolutely nothing new. It is absolutely nothing new. I want to... um, I want to share something with you. When you look at our culture in the last five years, how much has anxiety and the lack of peace grown? Tremendously, right? We've got a mental health pandemic going on or however you want to say those words, right? We've got some serious issues within this world and a lot of it's mental, okay? Now, I share that because when we set your minds on the things of the flesh, Paul says it leads to death, it doesn't bring peace, it doesn't bring life, it sure doesn't bring joy, but to set the mind on the Spirit, Paul says, is life and peace. The Bible for Center of Engagement did a study of 40,000 people, and when they did the study, they weren't really sure what was going to be coming of it, but um, they found some very interesting facts, and they wanted to study uh, what happens to people when they read God's Word, Now, if you read God's word one time per week, that would be coming to church. This would be considered a time. We read God's word. You were exposed to God's word. They found that this has no impact upon someone's life. No differences. You come to church. You hear God's word. You don't do any other time in God's word this week. You will have little impact on your life. God's word will. And nothing will change. If you read your Bible two times a week, once again, no impact. Very, very little. When you you read your Bible three times a week, this is when they saw a slight increase on things in their lives beginning to change. They saw, okay, there is some change taking place here. But what they found is that when God's people read their Bibles four times per week, this is it that they said they found profound impact. They said feeling lonely drops by 40%. Anger drops by 32%. Bitterness in relationship, that would be marriage and relationship with kids and others, drops by 40%. Alcoholism drops by 57%. Feeling spiritually stagnant which I have had so many conversations with men and women throughout the years. Pastor, I just feel spiritually stagnant. Have you read your Bible? Have you spent time seeking him? He said this, those who read their Bibles four or more times per week, feeling spiritually stagnant, it drops by 60%. Viewing pornography drops by 61%. And then they also found within this study, there's a flip positive, that sharing your faith actually increases by 200%. And then discipling others, meaning having a desire to now disciple someone else, to actually think about somebody else's needs and wanting to help them and grow them, increases by 230%. There is something very powerful, church family, on what we set our minds on. We set our minds on the things of this world it does not lead to peace, life, and joy, comfort. It doesn't. But the world tells us that, right? You need this, buy this, have this, whatever. You know, if you can just fulfill your own desires, if you can just be true to you, just do you, you will find life and peace. And we have seen the data come in. Look at our culture. They're not walking in peace. They're not walking in life. They're not walking in joy. But there's even people within the church that are not walking in peace. Walking in joy. Because we're setting our minds on the things of the flesh, Paul warns us. But when we set our minds on the Spirit, on the things of God, when we focus our hearts and our minds upon his word, they have proven that it brings profound change to our lives. And I want to challenge us, church family, to be men and women who set our minds on the things of the Spirit that we set our minds on the things of God, not on the things of the flesh is what Paul warns us here. His spirit dwells within us because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. We're no longer condemned. We're set free from a life of sin. We now have life in Christ. But now I think that we do have a role. What are we going to set our minds on? The flesh or the spirit? The spirit. And I would challenge you, if you've never started to read your Bibles, and they say, like, most churchgoers do not, I'm telling you, that's where, that's the beginning of setting your minds on the things of the Spirit. And it will transform your life, transform it deeply. And if you don't know where to start, the Gospels, read the Gospel of John, the Gospel of Mark, Matthew, Luke, start there and just say, listen, Lord, I want to seek you. Lord, I want to know you. Father, help me to set my mind on, on you and on the things of your spirit and on your ways. And what happens is lives get transformed. Lives changed. And until that takes place, and if you're wondering, hey, I've been in church for 40 years, and I feel spiritually stagnant. I don't, I don't know what God's doing. I don't know if we've set our minds on him. Because guess what? God's working. God's working. God's moving. God is always pursuing men and women in this world, and he's always calling his church to be a part of it.